It's no accident that the car ramming took place. It's domestic terror. Very fine people on both sides. You had people in that group, excuse me, excuse me, I saw the same pictures as you did. I've never seen so much hatred in the eyes of my fellow human beings in my life. We have overcome a lot in our democracy. We've overcome McCarthyism, we've overcome segregation, and we're gonna overcome this. And I think we are having a huge debate right now around what's the difference between free speech and hate speech. Welcome back to Overcoming Extremism. I'm Mike Signer. I was the mayor of Charlottesville, Virginia during the Unite the Right rally in August 2017. Overcoming Extremism is a journey into the heart of American democracy as we explore how democratic institutions can overcome extremism in a challenging and frightening new era. We are talking to activists, elected officials, lawyers, journalists, faith leaders, and business leaders about how we as a nation can confront these new threats today. In 2015, a native of the beautiful city of Chattanooga, Tennessee, shot up two military recruiting centers in the city, killing five people. It was a terrorist attack that shocked the nation. After the attack, the city's mayor, Andy Burke, was praised for his leadership in calming and in uniting the city. And he didn't stop. Mayor Burke announced a new Council Against Hate in Chattanooga that includes task forces working on action items in seven different specific areas, including the city's public university and the public schools, the police department, and the business sector. Along the way, the city has innovated in other ways, for instance, in teaching their police to build bridges to marginalized populations who could be radicalized. Mayor Burke sees the power of alliances and best practices in fighting extremism. A Jewish mayor of a southern city, he has also himself been the target of vicious attacks, but they haven't stopped him. Andy Burke plays a role in our journey in this podcast in illuminating the power of local action in helping American democracy sort out extremism in the local places where many of us live. I will tell you that any time I talk about this, the hair on my arm stands up. It is still um, with me today, as I'm sure the things that you experienced are with you. So I remember right afterwards, um, I called the staff into to my office and pulled out a whiteboard, and uh, we wrote down some principles um, that we were going to live by. Things like, this isn't about us, we will never say the word I. This is always going to be about the people who, who lost their lives and, and who were attacked on this day, and that's the way we're going to operate everything. And one of the principles that we started with from the beginning is that no one else will be radicalized because of the incidents that happened on that day. The attacker was a Muslim. We were going to make sure that nobody in our community ended up 
becoming part of a group mm-hmm. that hated Muslims because of that incident. And our police chief, everywhere he went, he and I repeated this message. Our job is to protect everyone in our community, everyone. And that is what we are going to do. Um, one of the most meaningful moments of my life was when we had a vigil at a church not long afterward. One of the leaders of the Muslim community got up and said, uh, today is the last day of Ramadan, and normally we would be in a uh, temple together worshiping, but today uh, we are Chattanoogans first. People were crying. It was just an incredible scene. For them to be there to show this support when they had just, you know, mm-hmm. obviously suffered as well, this was an amazingly meaningful moment. Were there moments where it could have gone in a different direction, and whether it was you or whether it was other leaders of the community where, you know, tensions were quelled or fires were put out, bridges were built, where there could have been, where there really could have been unrest? Well, I think that the one piece that I would say is we tried to put ourselves in the best position for success. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were moments where people wanted to say and do different things where there were divisive messages that were being put forth. When you have a when you have a terrorist attack, you really want to make sure that that you take care of the the physical safety of people as well. Because while we had some belief that this was a lone wolf attack, we didn't know. As a matter of fact, in the moments after the incident, right. wow. we were told that there were multiple attackers. And I will give lots of credit to the federal government, to the FBI, who swarmed our city to investigate. Um, what had happened and to make sure that people were protected. And I can't say too terribly much about all that, but I would tell you that when all that's going on, it's very easy to get caught up in the moment and say and do things that don't feel in the best long-term interests of the city. And uh, we tried very hard to make sure that we put ourselves in the best position for success. And is there any reason why particularly the you know, Chattanooga as a city is experiencing these these conflicts. I know when I was there, I was I was very struck by just by the the kind of collision of new and old. You've got a lot of new people coming in, a very dynamic, you know, new economy, a lot of a lot of demographic changes. But it's obviously in the in the South. You know, it has a it has an older history and a and certainly a different culture. Is that part of what explains why there would be this level of? Yeah, no, I that that's definitely a piece of it, and. For us, I think that many things in life are driven by culture. You know, there's the saying, culture eats strategy. Well, I mean, culture (laughs) eats a lot of things. And so I I live in the South. It's a place where we have a a very distinct culture. We've also had in the past laws that were purposely, overtly discriminatory in nature. We are more segregated than in a lot of ways than other places partly because of our past legal history of those issues. It shouldn't be a surprise that you see a lot of those incidents occurring in places where we have this history, we have this legacy, and we have to deal with it on a very open and uh, explicit basis. Like me, Andy Burke is a Jewish mayor of a southern town. I was particularly interested in hearing about his experiences and whether he also had been the subject of threats and trolling. It turns out that even his home life was invaded by hatred from the outside. 
Unfortunately, in 2019, if you are an elected official, you deal with hatred, particularly because of social media. And I remember one of the worst mistakes that I ever made was somebody had written uh, something terrible to me on Facebook, and I was sitting at my home computer, and I walked away, and then, you know, my daughter, who was whatever at the time, 10, 11, 12, walked up and started reading the same thing. You just don't, don't you don't do that. That was, That's yeah. bad dad work right there. Like many people who are of either different faiths or races, I grew up here. I experienced discrimination, everything from people telling me that I was going to hell to all kinds of other discrimination. It definitely affects your worldview and how you see things. Uh, when I ran for office, you know, there were flyers that have been put out multiple times against me saying, you know, for the other person, vote for the only, the only good Christian in the race. Um, you see this issue brought up. And, you know, the number one thing for me, of course, is that on a proactive way, I feel like I share the values of most people in our community. I want them to understand that. But I also know that when I get an email or a social media post or something that explicitly and often viciously raises my religious background, that it's a terrible thing both for me, for our city, and for the world. Mayor Burke had invited me to Chattanooga in early 2019 to help launch a new organization called the Council Against Hate. I came into town expecting a press conference probably, and instead it was a working meeting with over a hundred locals there who swiftly broke into action teams in seven different areas, including public safety and the local university and the private sector. Here's what Mayor Burke had to say about their work. We're doing everything from, you know, making sure that we are doing racial equity training in our government. We have, you know, looked at our police practices on how we do hate crimes, how we look at hate crimes to make sure, for example, that we get detectives who are actively engaged on every single hate crime uh, that we have alleged in our city. And I think part of this is to, to keep the momentum going. One of the things I heard, for example, on the night that you were in Chattanooga over and over again was how hard it is to think on the fly about what your response is to hatred and hate a speech. And so how do we do a better job, for example, of giving people immediate tools to combat those things? We know if somebody does X, we're going to do Y. And it's less about having to figure it out on the spot, which is particularly mm-hmm. when you're emotional and you're upset and confused or trying to figure out um, what's happening. Things like that are really great practical ideas that we can implement. So basically shifting public school teachers to a proactive stance and having a strategy in place as opposed to just reacting if, if, there's, a, if there's an instance of dangerous bullying or of a you know, some kind of um, symbol that really, that could be the tip of the iceberg for a kid being radicalized, that really putting them, plugging them into the best practices. Yeah, that that's right. And, mm-hmm. and I think that what we've heard from teachers is they want that. They don't want to make this up themselves because mm-hmm. they want to get it right. And our teachers care a lot about the kids and they, you know, love the people that they're in school with. They want to make sure that they are acting in the best interest of of the kids and that they're supporting them, but also that they're stopping that behavior so that it doesn't fester and get worse. 
In many American communities, radicalization is a real threat, especially in parts of the country like Chattanooga, experiencing a clash between new and more traditional communities. I think that this is actually a place where some of the strong cities work that I've done shows me the value of learning from communities across the globe. What a lot of particularly European countries have been uh, working on for the last several years is identifying those people who are most at risk of being radicalized and then designing interventions that target those who are, who are in danger of being radicalized and making sure that they bring them back to the mainstream. We have to be very detailed. We have to be very attentive. We have to understand and set up systems so that if the school system calls up and says, hey, Andy is displaying these behaviors, that we are set up in a manner that allows us to intervene with Andy and to make sure that we are engaging him so that he is not, you know, doesn't feel distant from society, that he's not being marginalized in a way that makes him vulnerable and likely to be radicalized by some extreme hate group. And I think that we can do a much better job in America of not only talking about this on a large scale basis, but making sure that we set up on a very detailed one person, five people, whatever the number is, specific interventions so that we're not just doing it ad hoc, but that we know what we're doing and we pay attention to it each and every time. The police department in Chattanooga has a a truly innovative, maybe even a radical approach they've adopted to understanding and building bridges and teaching themselves to connect with these communities that can be radicalized and that also can be the victims. Each and every person for the last, I think, four years now who goes through our police academy does a community immersion program. So they go in and they have a project where every single trainee has to go in with with somebody who's in a marginalized community, uh, a person of color, uh, somebody who has a disability, LGBTQ, whatever it is, and they have to basically embed find out about them, do a report. They come back out and do a presentation about what that looks like to the entire community to make sure that our officers understand and have empathy, right? Because empathy is critical for these discussions. So that when you go in, you're not viewed as an invader. You have some degree of of comfort and empathy for what you see around you. So that, that, I think, is one piece. The second piece is, on an individual basis, if I know that this individual is being uh, in danger of being radicalized, then instead of us sitting around and just, like, trying to do a pure law enforcement watch for them to commit a hate crime, we've got to be proactive and engage them. And maybe sometimes it comes from law enforcement, maybe sometimes it comes from a nonprofit group, maybe it's teachers, maybe it's a combination of all that, that say this. And, and we've been doing a lot of this work, not just on, on hate, uh, but also on just gun violence in general. But I don't think that there's any reason for us not to openly confront the issue and to make sure that we are um, taking it on in a, in a very proactive, systematic way 
And um, and I think that that's that's something certainly that that looking at the European models that I see missing in our country. I was particularly curious, as with all of our guests, about what this mayor, who has been right in the thick of American democracy struggles today, would have to say about this question we are asking all of our guests, which is, was he optimistic about democracy's ability to handle homegrown extremism? Well, this may be unfashionable, but I'm, I'm optimistic. I gave my State of the City speech in April of this year, and um, I, that's something I typically put a lot of thought into. And one of the things that I did was I contrasted Chattanooga in 2019 with Chattanooga 50 years ago in 1969. So in 1969, Walter Cronkite called us the dirtiest city in America. Uh, the city that I grew up in was dying. And because of public policy changes that we made and decisions that leaders took over the course of the last five decades, our city got a lot better. We had the sixth highest wage growth in the country. We're called best town ever by outside magazine you can you know keep going on and on like mayors like to brag <laughs> the point is not necessarily that we have everything right we don't i promise we have plenty of problems or that we haven't made bad decisions of course we have but that things change and we can make them better and so the end of my speech was actually this call to say i refuse to believe that the problems of today are going to be with us 50 years from now we can make decisions and we can take action that will make things better. We've seen that in our city, and and I know that it's true in our nation. So I am dispirited by much of what we see today. I am upset about dysfunction. I can't stand the hatred and the um, discord that is all too prevalent in our society. Still, I am optimistic because I believe that we have the tools, the ability, and the history of making things better. And because you, you as a leader, have the personal experience of, of actually doing the work and seeing the results in the community. And so you've kind of put your money, you know, your money where your mouth is. That's right. I've seen it. You know, mayors govern in a bipartisan way. They govern everybody in the city. Um, we make progress. I get upset when I see on the national level that it doesn't seem that we can get there. I don't think that that means it's going to be that way forever. It's messy, and sometimes it's uncomfortable, and we have our share of problems. That's also how we get things done, and it's the best way in the world to govern. Andy Burke is the mayor of Chattanooga, Tennessee. You've been listening to Overcoming Extremism. Overcoming Extremism's partners include the Anti-Defamation League, the Fetzer Institute, the Charles Koch Institute, the Ford Foundation, Lowell and Eileen Aptman through the Soros Fund Charitable Foundation, the John Pritzker Foundation, Comcast, NBC Universal, Democracy Fund, New America, Georgetown University's Institute for Constitutional Advocacy and Protection, the Aspen Institute's Justice and Society Program, and Defending Democracy Together. Overcoming Extremism was produced in Charlottesville, Virginia. Our producer is Elliot Majerzyk. The opening theme was created by Poddington Bear, and Elliot composed 
and produced the musical interludes and the closing music. I'm Mike Signer. Thanks for listening.